welcome to the NC Students Podcast. NC Students is the middle school and high school ministry of Northland Cathedral in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information on NC Students and Northland Cathedral, please visit www.northlandcathedral.org. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's message. All the single Pringles out there, Holly and her friends were single Pringles. I thought that was kind of a cute term. I had never heard single Pringles. So um, Valentine's Day with little boys is vastly different than it is with little girls. When Holly was little and they had to make these cute little Valentine boxes for school, they always had like sparkles and like googly eyes sometimes, but like fluff and fuzzy cuteness. I would like to share with you what my boys took, and I was almost afraid to send them with them um, not because of the first two. The first two, we had a Coca-Cola vending machine. I thought that was pretty ingenious because all of the teachers this year said they cannot be bigger than a shoebox. So that kind of limited because last year, Hawk made a boat. It was actually a pirate ship. It was about this big, and it had a sail and everything, and somebody walking the plank. Um, so this year he just made a little bit of vending machine and um, he was very excited, drew everything in there. Ben, he has been waiting for this day because he watches everybody else go to school. And so this was his first year. And of course he got sick on Valentine's Day, so he didn't get to go, but he got to send his birthday cake box. Yep. He was very excited about the birthday cake. I don't know why he wanted to make a birthday cake, but it was really cute. It was white. It had green frosting on the top. He even made birthday candles by twisting tissue paper and taping it to the box. It was super cute. So he was very proud of himself. Um, Manny's the one that made me a little nervous because he made the Valentine's Day massacre (laughs) with Green Army men on a snowy white river bank with Green Army men like... And he wanted to draw like little blood trails. I said, no, enough. I had to draw the line somewhere like you may not. Oh, I said, but when green army men die, they just die. They don't bleed. But apparently the little boy who was across the table from him made a tank. So um, Ben's army men that were still up and fighting were all facing one direction so that his box could face the tank and they could have a battle. He was so excited to go to Valentine's. Clearly, they have not reached the point where love means anything to them yet. It's, um, it's, they still find love really funny and really gross and just unnecessary, um, which made it great when they were looking at all of their Valentines and going, ew, gross, I want to hug you, what? And they're, you know, doing their fake vomiting sounds, which whoever taught them that on this missions trip last year, I'm not going to thank you because now they make those, yeah, sick, you, Cammie, did you teach them fake vomit sounds? Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been you. Okay, so... As we're looking through these, they found, they found a picture of Cupid, and they were asking about our series because, you know, they're observant because they're children. And so they're like, Mom, why is Cupid stupid? So then they saw pictures of Cupid and went, oh, that's why Cupid is stupid. I'm like, that's not really why Cupid is stupid. So I started explaining Cupid to them. So what they saw was the little picture on the left. And Ben's like, that does not look right. Because we consistently tell our children, you may not go anywhere naked, right? So what do they get little Valentine cards of? Naked baby with a bow and arrow. Do not shoot unarmed people and you must wear clothes. Two things that have clearly not been 
I was made to work there. Boy, that was a hard sentence to say. So what really Cupid is, is not really that cute little cherub over there wearing a diaper. So Cupid, did Pastor Jerome explain Cupid last week for people? Cupid was actually one of the lesser gods, the son of Venus. And Cupid was not exactly a sweet little cherub. Cupid liked to um, manipulate the lives of mortals. And he would do this through his um, magical bow and arrow. And he would shoot people. And he would cause them to um, fall desperately in love with whoever he decided to make sure that they were. And I'm, I'm explaining this to the boys. And they're like, Ben's going, nope. That's not okay. Like, that's nothing wrong with that. But the more I talk to them, the more I realize our beliefs about love are really influenced by the Roman god Cupid because they saw love as something that you were not in control of. It was what, however the gods were forcing love upon mortals and causing mortals to, you know, behave in different ways. Um, we have this belief, whether we actually say we believe it or not, in falling in love or, you know, that it's one of those, like, I just can't help myself. Has anybody ever heard anybody ever say, you don't have to raise your hands, like that, oh, I fell in love with them and I just can't help myself. They're just so wonderful. Um, and then I hear Ben in my head going, nope. Um, but really, you know, when we think about if, if we take the Roman ideology, their approach to it all, and we kind of think about where we are in America and the way we view relationships, and so our society really isn't that far off of that with some things because relationships can come and go. They're kind of throwaway things, and they aren't necessarily things that you choose. There are things that just happen to us. And if you watch Disney movies, you know... You take a walk in the woods, and you meet a prince. You sing a duet together, and you have fallen in love, and clearly you're going to live happily ever after. This is how Disney works. If you are in the woods, I know I say this every year, if you are in the woods, young ladies or young men, and you see somebody walking in the woods, do not sing a duet with them. Do not go down on one knee and madly profess your love turn around and very quickly run the other direction back where you came from. That's a side note. That one was for free. Um, that really didn't have as much to do with this. But we all have it in our minds that love is something that comes and controls you and takes over until, oh, you just fall out of love again. Or you have these friendships with people that, you know, you become friends until, oh, well, I don't really need them anymore. And it's not really beneficial to me anymore. So I'm just, you know, going to do something else. But the more I think about this, the more I think in Ben's words, that can't be right. And so I would like to go to the Bible to see, because I'm pretty sure we're not the first people to ever question relationships, question love, question how does all of this work. Did you know there's not a lot of dating advice in the Bible? Yeah, there's not. I looked. Um, there's a lot of relationship advice. There's a lot of, there's a, a lot of guidance. So we're going to turn to Ephesians the town or the city, not really a town, the city of Ephesus um, was spiritually a very dark place. This was where um, the Artemision was. It was this gorgeous temple built for worshiping Artemis. And um, 
I'm going to clean up their version of worship, but they had temple prostitutes. They had um, rooms where you could go to worship. And worshiping Artemis looks nothing like what we've done tonight, where we sing and we raise hands and we clap and we enjoy this cleaned up, wonderful Christian worship. Their version of worship was very sexualized. It was very do what feels good for you in honor of the gods. And it wasn't just Artemis. It was many different gods that you could give an offering of worship to. And Ephesus was kind of this center for all of this icky behavior. I can't think of a really good word that other than... um, And so Paul is writing to some Christians in Ephesus because a church has um, been started in Ephesus. And so he's writing to these people who have lived their entire lives with this mindset. It's, It's something that has been ingrained in them from the time they were little. So now this church, these people, they have accepted Christ. They have heard the gospel. It has set them free, but now they're still living in Ephesus, they still wake up every morning and see the Artemision. They still wake up and hear the idol makers who are trying to sell all these things. Who there's all these things that are ingrained in them. So Paul is writing to them and he's helping the church along and helping them see what life is like with Christ. So we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And this section in my Bible probably not in yours unless you have the NLT. It's titled, this section is Living as Children of the Light. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we're going to pause there. There's a lot of really good stuff in the book of Ephesians. I mean, really in the whole Bible, but in the book of Ephesians, there's some great stuff that'll continue on, but I'm not going to read all of it. That would take too much time tonight. But Paul isn't necessarily talking about dating or necessarily relationships right here. He's talking about your life should be so vastly different and changed when you encounter the truth of Christ. When you encounter the life-changing message of Christ, now everything that you do is going to be different. And that's okay. So they're living in Ephesus, and he's having to tell them, even though you live in like this capital of sin and craziness, it's okay because you now have Christ in you. So a believer's relationship, a believer's life, and even more so relationships should look different than the non-believers. Because unlike the people who live in Ephesus who believe that the gods are messing with you and Um, You can be shot by Cupid's arrow, and when you fall in love with somebody, you have no control over it. What he's saying here is that everything that you do is, is voluntary. You are choosing to do this. So if you get nothing else tonight, get this, that love is not an accident nor an involuntary response. It's a product of preparation and cultivation. Big words. Preparation, cultivation. Love doesn't just happen. 
Love isn't just something that you like, oh, look, I tripped and oh my gosh, I'm in love. That's not how this works. This is not how any of this works. Love is something that you prepare for. It's something that you get yourself ready for. No, it's not something that you walk around saying, okay, I've done this step. I've done this step. I've done this step. Okay, so now I'm prepared and I'm ready to fall in love. That's not what I'm saying is going to happen. What I'm saying is the more you allow Christ to change who you are and change your thoughts and your beliefs, like the people of Ephesus, they needed their thoughts completely transformed, completely changed from what they grew up in with myriad gods, so many gods that it was ridiculous, the pantheon, to one god. Can you imagine what kind of a shift in thinking there had to be there? To go from thinking about, you know, which God do I have to please? How many offerings do I have to do? What do I have to do to make any God happy? To realizing the truth of there is one God, Jesus Christ, came to earth, walked a sinless life on this earth, died on a cross for you so that you can be made right with God, rose again, and when you accept him into your life, you're clean, you're fresh, you're whole, you're new. This is the stuff that they're dealing with in Ephesus saying, whoa, that's awesome. Now, how do I live? And he's saying, your relationships, your everything will be different because your focus is different. And you're, you get to start to realize that it's not an accident. It's not just this involuntary response because a God is mad at you or a God likes you or anything like that. God loves you. And the more you allow his love to change you, it changes what your relationships look like. So this means that you don't just fall in love and live happily ever after with the person that you met in the forest and sang a duet with. That's not how it works. It means you choose to align your heart with God's heart. So he's telling them, just like I'm telling you, that right now you take the word of God that we believe is the actual words of God that can breathe life into our bodies, into us, into our lives, can change us from inside out. You spend time reading this and letting his words change you and transform you so that you are different from the inside out. And when you root yourself in Jesus, it changes you, which changes your relationships which changes other relationships. And it means that, I mean, like, okay, just imagine. So if everyone in this room started to get this point where our relationships are changed because we allow Christ to change us. So if Christ really starts, if we allow Christ to really transform us and the relationships in this room get changed, and they're starting to point more people to Christ because I don't know if you guys know this, but when you allow Jesus Christ to transform you, people notice they see something different in you. Sometimes it's a physical change. Like I've seen people just all of a sudden, like they're walking straight up and down and like where they were just like walking like this. God changed like their whole life and they're walking around like, wow. And like a joy that lights their face. That will change every relationship that you have, which then, does everybody in this room have a relationship with somebody, I'm not talking romantic, with somebody outside of this room? Yeah? 
Okay, so if relationships in this room get changed, then relationships upstairs get changed, and that means relationships all across this city would be changed because you're allowing Christ to change you. That means that quite possibly your future relationships, not just quite possibly, I firmly believe that your future relationships will be changed and will be different because you allow Christ to change who you are. When I first met Jerome, I was um, very young. I was 17? Yes, we, I was on a walk one day in the woods. and No, I'm kidding. We sang a duet. It was glorious. Actually, no, I met him first when um, I went to go visit my sister in Florida at college. And um, he had um, a crush on my sister when they first, <laughs> he's like big sigh. Yes. So, but my sister had a boyfriend and the more my sister got to know him, she said, you know, you'd really like my sister. Um, they're both firstborns. Yeah. They're very type A personalities. Still good. Get them at all. And so I met him when I went to go visit her, we're walking across this big lawn and he came up and just put his arm around me and he, oh, I love to eat peanut butter and honey. Just it doesn't have to be on anything. Just some peanut butter, honey, mixed together. It's delicious. If you've never had it, try it. It's totally fantastic. So my sister had seen him eating it one day. She was like, what? Like, that's just weird. And so he came up behind me, put his arm around me. He's like, so when are we going to go get some peanut butter and honey or something? I was like, oh, my gosh. I call this guy that's talking to me. That's so cool. Like, hey, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, and then I went back to Missouri, and my sister did not go back to Florida to go to school, she transferred to the University of Missouri. I still went to Florida and showed up, and the only people I knew were my sister's friends and Jerome. But I got to know him um, because his group of friends was my sister's group of friends, so I'm hanging out with him. And I saw that, yes, he's fun-loving, but he was one of the most generous people I knew. Like, if somebody needed, if there was anybody who needed help, He'd be like, yeah, man, I can help you out. He'd help people move stuff. He's the king of finding airline tickets. And if you need a hotel room, he'll be like, ooh, I got that. He loves booking things. It's, I don't know, it's his spiritual gift. Booking airline flights, it really is. But he would give of his time, and I would watch him help people. And I joined the student ministry with him, and I watched him. And I watched how he would you know, minister to little kids and help with, which is funny because he's not a kid person. But I saw Jesus in him. And that was something that made me go, hello. Because, yeah, I thought he was super cute. He's really cute. But also, I saw Jesus in him, which was different than so many of the guys that I had met in high school, who I had been told a couple times in high school, like, your standards are really too high. I was like, why? Because I want a Christian to date? You know, that, that, that's not really too high necessarily. That's just, you know, things in common, everything like that. But I went to school, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And so we became friends, and then we dated, and then, you know, all that jazz. We got engaged. It was beautiful. So the way that you set your relationship with Christ now, that's going to affect your future. It means that when you have Christ in you now and you get your roots down with Jesus now, 
then you're already being intentional about what your future relationships look like. You're already getting things ready. You're preparing. You have relationships now that you can cultivate and you can, you guys know what cultivate means? Like tend to fix like if you're gardening and you need to like weed or water or like that I'm acting that out for you guys, you're like, that. that's nice. So taking care of, cultivate, take care of, help things grow. So the relationships that you have, it's not just like the instant pot where you spit and forget it. I love my instant pot, by the way. I have two of them. They're wonderful. So that's not, relationships aren't like that. Relationships can't just be like, okay, I'm just going to set that and walk away and it's going to be perfect. No, relationships take work, effort, time. So if you learn now to cultivate, tend to the relationships that you have with your parents, with your friends, that's how you're going to approach your relationship with your spouse one day. Because if you don't talk to your friends now, you probably will, at first you'll talk to your spouse, but then eventually you'll be like, eh, I don't want to. And relationships are hard work. They don't just happen. They're not just an accident. It, it's not just involuntary response. It's something you do, that you have to choose to do. So what we're going to do, if love isn't accidental, nor an involuntary response, and it is a product of preparation and cultivation, we're going to break out into our groups. And we're going to talk with the people around us in our little small group areas about what this looks like for you. Because for other people, it might, for some people, it might look like waking up super early in the morning to read the Bible and talk to Jesus, have your two chairs moments right then. It could mean that you're, you don't have the ability to do that first thing in the morning unless you want to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Maybe you don't want to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I hear that. Hallelujah. Maybe you do your two chairs, your prayer time with Jesus some other time. Maybe you read your Bible on the bus, on the way to school. It's going to look different for everybody else cultivating relationships because you guys have varying types of relationships. Some of you are in romantic relationships. Some of you are single Pringles. Some of you don't want to be in romantic relationships for a very long time. Some of you have no idea what a healthy romantic relationship looks like. Some of you have a great example for what relationships look like. So what I'd like for you guys to do is Jerome has the questions to give to the group leaders. So if you guys could go to your group areas and talk about this and let's kind of process what this means for you.